This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Washington left field deep, Bam going back, looking up, he will watch it fly! And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, goal for Yelich! Cody Bellinger hits one out. He so he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I can't tell you how excited I am to be on today. Things are going great for the Oakland Athletics. Baseball is entertaining. The first month or so has been fantastic. And now the A's are taking on the Minnesota Twins, and we have an unbelievable lineup for you today. Commander has been on his game. There is no question about it. The pitching ninja, Rob Friedman, is going to join us at 315. Dick Bremer from the Twins will join us at 330. And then my old friend, and I've missed him, Josh Donaldson at 345. You know, I've talked about it for for years, and, you know, we did the interview earlier today. In all my years of covering a player, it doesn't matter if it was an A or a Giant or a Raider or a 49er or a Warrior, there has been nobody that I got closer to than Josh Donaldson. And I, he, he's my guy. And it taught me a lot, too, about when he got traded that you realize you can't really get close to guys. Like, I've known guys over the years, and you hear them when they come on. Townie, how are you? How's everything? You know, whether it's a Kurt Suzuki or a Sean Doolittle or whoever. J.D. was the one guy that I actually became friends with. And when he left, it it, it hurt. It hurt a lot. And obviously, it was a horrific trade. Let's just be honest. And, you know, at a point now where you have Matt Chapman makes it a lot easier to deal with. But just talking with J.D. again, because it's been a while, we actually did some business together. Uh, Josh Donaldson was my guy. He's been my favorite A to cover, and it's great to have him on the program again. And I know how much you guys loved him. He's a special guy. You know, he loved being here. I mean, let's be honest. He loved being here. He loved the A's. If you would have gave him the Billy Butler deal, he would have took it in a second. But I'm happy for him. He moved on. I mean, think about it. He went to Toronto, got the most votes in the All-Star game because all of Toronto, I mean, all of Canada was voting for him and won an MVP. And I think you're going to enjoy it. It's great to hear his voice. Um, and as you know, Cody, you 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 were a part of the of the interview. I mean, JD's a great guy. I mean, he's he's really a salt to the earth, regular guy. Doesn't matter what he's done in his career, because when our when our relationship came about, he was nobody. 
right? I mean, he was battling just to stay here, was sent down. He used to call into my talk show. We were always talking about college football. Uh, but, I mean, Cody, I mean, now you've got to uh, interact with him. I mean, he he's a really down-to-earth guy. Yeah, and I'm glad we were able to finally get him on because we've been trying since we launched this show back in 2019 to have J.D. on. Like, you know, back then he was with the, the Braves and – you know, we were able to get Wash on, and it was great, but I always tried to get Josh Donaldson on, and it's always been hard to get him. And then last year with COVID, it was, I didn't reach out to the Twins, obviously, because we didn't play them. And then we played them this year in the first series, and the Twins had a little problem with COVID, so we didn't get a chance to connect with them. And then I sent an email, like, early, early this week, like maybe Monday, like, hey, is there any chance we can talk to JD later this week? You know, we're very flexible. We work from home during road games, so we can make any time work, and um, I didn't hear anything. Then today at like 1230, I hear from the twins like, hey, JD's available like in like a half an hour, like right now, if you guys are available to do it. So, <laughs> you know, talk about rescheduling everything. But, you know, we made it work because I know how close you guys were and I wanted to have them on with, you know, have you guys reconnecting. And so I'm glad we were able to make that. You guys sound great together. Like you can tell there was a you guys were close and I'm glad that we were able to have you guys connect and everyone's getting a chance to listen to it because, um, you know, well, I, I it, well, something you don't know. But I had the exclusive when he signed, when he re-signed with the Toronto Blue Jays, he was actually out here for the AT&T. He was playing down at Pebble Beach. And he's signing this contract, which at the time I think was $24 million. He broke Barry Bonds' record for arbitration. I think it was Barry's record for like $24 million. And... I had him on my talk show as he was leaving because he had to get the physical and he got the physical in San Francisco and he was driving down with buddies down to Pebble Beach to play in the AT&T and I had him on my talk show. I mean, you know, I mean, I love the guy and I'm always going to root for him and I'm so happy for him that he battled through so much to finally get his opportunity, not as a young guy. Remember when he came up with the A's, I want to say it was in 2010, I think he came up for like two, three games in Toronto, and he was a catcher at the time. And then we didn't see him to till 2012. To think of that where he went from to where he is now to where he's – I think he's going to be making over $100 million in his career. I, I, I'm happy for him be, because of the hard work that he put in. I mean, he was a catcher. I mean, he came over in the Rich Harden trade, and he was a catcher that turned into an MVP third baseman. It really is, when you think about it, Cody, it's a great story. Yeah, you remember the, the deal he got with the Braves, you know, coming off of the what was it? The down year with the Indians, and he no one you didn't know what to expect from him with the Braves, and he has a huge year with the Braves, and then he signs the, the big deal with the Twins, and then you know COVID happens in 2020, then he gets hurt this year, starting the year for the Twins, and then speaking of the Twins, I mean I don't want to be a bummer, but what well, happened to them? Your playbook today, so Cody puts the playbook together every day, and right out of the gate it says what happened to the Twins. I mean, wow, they're 23, I mean, excuse me, they're 12 and 23, 10 games behind uh, your good friend, Tony La Russa. 
remember they said Tony couldn't manage anymore. He was behind, you know, he, he, he the games passed him by. People tried to pull that at the beginning of the season, and and both you and I, knowing that Tony is a friend of the program, we said, uh, fooey on that. But, wow, I, I mean, it's shocking. Everybody had the Twins winning the division, and we're, what, May 13th, and they're 10 games back? They've been terrible. 10 games back. Uh, if they if they want to win 90 games this year, at, and they're 12 and 23, they got to go 78 and 49 the rest of the way. Uh, I, I did. I went and broke this down. Their relievers are one in twelve this year with a five oh nine ERA. Good. How's that possible? That is really, really bad. And they one signed twelve. They signed Alex Colomay to be their closer. He's been a disaster for them. We saw him pitching in Oakland. Remember how Rocco Baldelli left him for like fifty pitches against that, in that that wild thirteen to twelve game the A's ended up winning on that Wednesday. I mean, they they've just been so bad. Byron Buxton. Looked like he was gonna. He finally gonna have that breakout year. He got hurt again. They, I mean, it's just so unfortunate. The kid has so much potential. He can't stay healthy. Killeroff, their number one prospect, he got hurt. Donaldson was hurt. Uh, Sano's hurt. Their pitching has been. Kenta Maeda, I love the guy. He he's been uh, he's been struggling this year. Uh, their whole. I mean, everyone on the, everywhere you look on the roster, they've been struggling everywhere. Okay, but one and twelve. Yeah, that's buying or, buy, buying or selling. This isn't a good bullpen. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy. Uh, they're also Rocco. Rocco, your bullpen's one and it. But now, if this was like July, but this is May. Your bullpen's one and twelve in May. Yeah, and, and not only that, it's crazy. They're zero seven in extra inning games, which is just wild. Uh, but if you look at their offense, they're third in OPS and sixth in position player WAR. So their their offense is producing. Their pitching is letting them down. Now the White Sox, everyone loves the White Sox, and they should. The White Sox have a plus sixty six run differential. Uh, they're number one in ESPN's power rankings. Uh, they have the best record in baseball if you go by winning percentage. There's a reason why they're playing really, really well, really, really well without their starting left and center fielders. Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez are both out. But the Twins, I mean, I'm one of the guys. I love that team. I like the the Bomba squad. They hit a bunch of home. They hit 307 home runs two years ago. The major, major league record for well, home you runs. You can love them all you want. They've lost four in a row, and yeah. they're ten games yeah, well, uh, behind the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. And now you start putting yourself, and I mean, they're they're essentially tied with Detroit. Yeah, they're Detroit in last. In, I mean, you're in last place, and I'll tell you the team that's interesting in the Central. I mean, obviously, uh, the White Sox. But the fact that Cleveland, Lindor's gone, they've lost players. They're 20 and 14 and only a game and a half back. Yeah. That just shows how, and they've won three in a row. It just shows how good their pitching is. Wow. You got to, you got to give Cleveland and their front office a lot of credit. Yeah. Last night, uh, Zach Plesak, uh, remember he, uh, the, the same pitcher that had two no hitters thrown against him. Uh, this year already. Uh, he took a no-hitter into the bottom of the eighth inning last night in Seattle. The, you know, the game where Logan Gilbert, uh, the, the Mariners' top pitching prospect, and uh, some Jared Kelnick kid was making his debut. He took a oh, no-hitter. He, uh, he won 0 for 4. Oh, he's done. B- bust. Sent him back down. Mariners' season's God. over. But, yeah, he carried a no-hitter into the eighth inning. That would have been a great story. A guy that gets no-hit twice this year as a uh, starting pitcher on the opposing team throws a no-hitter. But, yeah, that didn't happen. But, yeah, the Indians, they've been good. Jose Ramirez – they, there was a status earlier. He's like one of only two players in baseball over the last 162 games. 
to have like 40 home runs and 40 doubles. It's like him and uh, I'm drawing a blank. It's not Mike Trout, so it's not Trout's the other player. There's one other player that had that many doubles and home runs over the last 162. So it shows you how valuable Jose Ramirez has been for the Indians. So clearly they held on to the right player when it came between him and Lindor. So I'm looking at the A's lineup today, and Chad Pender is not in it. But how long before we see Chad Pender playing shortstop? Now, Elvis has had Elvis has started to hit a little bit, which is nice, but he's still hitting a buck set. Look at look at the averages. This is like the perfect Commander Cody team. You don't care about batting average. One seventy-seven for Elvis. 195 for Murphy, 224 for Brown, 215 for Piscotti, 212 for Chapman. I mean, Mitch Moreland, who's been hitting, but he's hitting second at 233. It's unbelievable. It's really, I mean, these averages, I mean, I'm looking at the Red Sox. Red Sox got a guy hitting... uh, 0.063. They got another at 200. They got another guy at 182. I mean, wow. Well, you got to remember, you got Elvis hits 273 versus Shoemaker. Uh, Let's see. Chapman hits 570 versus Shoemaker. Moreland hits uh, 545 with five career home runs for Shoemaker. So there's some. Piscotti hits 455. Jed's a 300 hitter. So there's some guys in there with the low batting average, but they hit Shoemaker well. But you're right. The batting average are. A little suspect, if you want to throw a kind word out there for the way that the batting average are thrown out there. But nobody's hitting in baseball right now. Are you kidding me? It's not just the A's. Yeah, we had the Hall of Famer Peter Gammons on yesterday. And it's like, you know, I understand pitching has gotten to be better. And we're going to talk to the pitching ninja next. But hitters are not making contact. And that really has to be figured out. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I understand guys are throwing harder. I understand these guys' spin rates and whatever they're whatever they're using. Uh, they're using pine tar or bullfrog or... You know what? You know what we should do? We should get clay wood to give us a rosin bag. And I'll go buy bullfrog sunscreen and let's test it out on ourselves hmm. i never used that before i barely use sunscreen so it's gonna be new for me to even use sunscreen. so we'll do sunscreen and a rosin bag and see what the grip is like well i did i hey by the way i did just buy a new baseball glove so i'm, I'm all in well i got plenty of baseball gloves <laughs> well i bought a but new I'll- one I'm, I'm excited to use it I'll be interested. You know, I got a park right across with baseball fields. We can go out there and test it out. A rosin bag and bullfrog sungreen, uh, sunscreen and what that does to the grip of the baseball. Forget Eno Saris and all of his numbers on The Athletic and reading a nine-page article. You and I will go out and test it ourselves. Uh, I can't wait. Speaking of Eno, we're going to talk to him on Tuesday. He teased me of some article he has released. He's releasing on Tuesday coming out. Apparently, Jed Jed's like front and center on your article. He just did an article at Andrew Bagley. I started reading about stolen bases and why we need to see more of it. I guess the success rate in, in baseball right now is like seventy-seven percent on stolen bases, and yet nobody's stealing bases still. Really, 
So we're that it's pretty alarming. So we'll, well have to talk Ramon to Ito about Mariano, that. Well, he's, I, do you remember having Ramon on? Yeah, well, he's just on a base since April. Yeah, but Ramon Laureano said pitchers don't care. Like, they're not really holding runners anymore. They're just trying to get up there and huff and puff and, and strike everybody out. I mean, even you and I could steal a base these days. It's unbelievable. They don't, they're just not paying attention to runners. And we saw that in the series with the A's, the last homestand, where you, you know, runner on second, A's pitchers weren't even, well, take third. If they're going to give it to you, if they're going to give you the 90 feet. All right, earlier today, we talked to the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman, right here on A's Cast Live. Well, I got to tell you, I've been kicked off Twitter for some reason, and I haven't been able to see it. And But I hear we have A's pitching ninja shirts that I'm telling you after this interview, I'm going to buy for myself, I'm going to buy for Cody, and going to buy for my kids. I can't wait. Dude, it is fantastic. That colorway is just fire. How did you get kicked off Twitter, though? What happened? I don't know. It's like all of a sudden it was like your your account's been compromised, and I've tried to, like, reset the password and all that stuff, and they're like, we'll get back to you, and they've never gotten back to me. Wow. How long has this been going on for? Maybe we can help you today. A couple weeks, and, wow. I'm, a blue, and I'm a blue check guy. It's not like I'm not – it's like, it's unbelievable. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I got to tell you, it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't on Twitter. Like, would I even exist if I wasn't on Twitter? No. Well, because your work on Twitter has been so fabulous is what's <laughs> brought you to the fame that uh, the whole tunneling, when 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 people talk about it and you think about the, what what you have produced is really showing us, okay, when the ball comes out of a guy's hand, what is the hitter seeing and now people are basically saying this is the toughest time in history to be a hitter in baseball. I love it because somebody actually commented the other day. I think it was Lindsay Adler uh, who writes for the Yankees for the athletic. She was saying that basically my account is a hitter's account because it shows how hard it is to actually be a hitter in baseball and maybe educates fans to stop yelling at hitters. Like it's tough. Well, I mean, the ball comes out of your hand, and your videos show if I'm throwing a four-seamer versus a two-seamer versus a, a, a hammer curveball versus a slide. I mean, it's like the ball's moving all around. And you know where I think what your account has done probably the most, and it's not a very um, – the best way I want to put it is it doesn't make them look good is how tough it is to umpire. Yeah. I mean um... – all these, the, the velocity and the movement and for these older guys. And as we know, as we get older, our eyesight's not as good. I mean, I think you can speak to that, how, how, how tough it is to umpire in the game today. It, it is, it is really tough. Like, I mean, I've been back there calling scrimmages before it's tough. And all, I mean, I think it shows maybe why umpires could use a little bit of help. Like I'm not saying every call's got to be a robo call or whatever, but at least give them some kind of help, like a cue maybe in their ear if it was in the strike zone clearly or something. I don't know. But it is tough. Like, it, the, the movement, the velocity, I mean, the game is – the pitching the game is, is beyond anything that it's ever been. How much are you weighing in on the substances that pitchers are using? As a former pitcher, I'm all in. 
I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like, hey, if, if hitters get pine tar and they get the sticky spray and they get the arm guard and they get the shin guard, you're telling me the pitchers can't have anything. Where are you on that? I love that. I totally like, you know, obviously if there's going to be a rule that says you can't do it, you maybe shouldn't, but everybody does it. So like it, make it legal. Like don't make these guys outlaws after you, after a while, if you made it legal, then hitters would be able to adjust and there wouldn't be like one guy who was using it. One guy who wasn't, you shouldn't like, the guys that are willing to break the rules shouldn't get a benefit that the guy that other people don't get. Some people just don't want to do it, but I am like, I agree with you. Like it helps command. Like if you don't want to get hit with a hundred mile an hour fastball. Totally. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I'm with you. Let's do it. Let's, let's you, let's, let's just have a campaign. Okay. So when, when I was pitching back in the day, uh, you know, it, it was still the, is it Vaseline? Is it something like we didn't even think about pine tar, right? You didn't think about bullfrog, a sunscreen, like talk about like, like what you've seen with the guys you've talked about where they have these, like they have these, I mean, they're like cocktails that are like sticky things for baseballs that, you know, we Gaylord Perry was using Vaseline. Like <laughs> it's completely changed. It, it has. And it's for two different purposes. So, Sticky stuff increases your spin rate. Vaseline will make it decrease. And so your pitch will drop or move a little bit more um, in, in a different way because of low spin rate. So you can manipulate it by using Vaseline sometimes and pine tar other times to either get higher spin rate or really low spin rate. If you're throwing a change up, you kind of want a low spin rate unless you're like Devin Williams or a splitter low spin rate. But if you're if you're a you know four seam fastball guy, a lot of times you want that ride and a little pine tar helps. And then the concoctions, like teams have their proprietary concoctions too, that uh, you know that you can optimize. And the thing that the thing that people don't realize is that there were some teams that were doing it a little bit more and a little more savvy that they can look at everybody's trackman numbers or Hawkeye numbers and say, you know, if this guy's spin rate was like 300 higher he'd be unhittable. So maybe we introduce him to our sticky stuff and show him how to use it versus just like they be in the old days, it used to be not weaponized. Now it is a little bit weaponized to make that pitcher better. And you know, Hey, it's fun. Like pitching's fun. Like make it, make the ball move. I love it. It's cool. It makes my life better. Well, and it makes the game faster, which makes my life better. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, and, and what are you going to say? Are you really going to say, Hey, I'm putting, bullfrog sunscreen on because I want to protect myself from the UV rays. And you're going to tell me I can't use that. I totally agree. Like, so I learned that the hard way. I mean, I obviously I knew about the sunscreen and rock rosin doing that, but I was carrying a rosin bag and a thing of sunscreen and the thing, like something hit the nozzle and it got all over the bag I had. Oh my God, you cannot get that stuff out. Like everything stuck. It's like super glue. It's crazy, man. And, and well, and, and that's something also that some hitters have talked about where they say, I like the fact that in the winter time, when it's really cold and these, these balls are basically like a cue ball that these guys have better control and that when I'm going up there, and as you mentioned, the guys are throwing 98 to 100 miles an hour, at least they know where the hell it's going. 
I, I agree. I think there are a lot of hitters that would rather have the pitcher have control than throwing a cue ball and never knowing where it's going to go. And they end up with one in the ear. I mean, like you see hit by pitches are up, you know, it may be people are using that less this year because of the MLB rules that they said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to come down on this. I haven't seen much enforcement on it, but you never know. Like I can make that argument. I mean, I think pitcher command is important for the game, right? There's no question. And I wonder, and I want your opinion because you study this so much, the electric strike zone, how much would that change baseball, good or bad? I I think you've studied it. Yeah, I think so. I I look at it two different ways. One way is like for fans to be able to second guess the umpire because they have a box on their screen and they have this, technology that measures where the ball goes through but the umpire doesn't have the benefit of it makes the game a tiny bit worse because it, it embarrass like it's embarrassing when you see an umpire absolutely blow a call it's it stinks for baseball stinks for the umpires stinks for the players it stinks for fans um but yeah like i think it ruins some of the beauty of the game where you have catchers sticking it there's be no need to stick it anymore right you never frame anything so you're gonna see you can be sloppier and it'll be a strike. And then fans will probably complain about like that. Like that pitch shouldn't be a strike because it barely clipped the strike zone. It, it opens up a whole bunch of things like for guys with nasty breaking stuff, I think. Well, you know, being in Silicon Valley here, I'm always thinking about ways to uh, better technology and make money for teams. <laughs> and I've thought about if you created an app that you could see exactly for the fans inside the ballpark if you're following along let's say it's hawkeye and you're following the balls and strikes and then we could run ads in between innings on your phone i mean i'm like right wouldn't you want to see because if you're down the left field line to the right field line you can't see whether it's a strike or a ball but you could follow it on your phone what do you think i think that's a great idea i love it because you know, some people don't want to stream the whole game, right? You're not going to sit there and while you're at the ballpark, stream it. But giving fans something in their hands would be kind of neat, right? I mean, I, I don't disagree with you on that at all. Brought to you by the Pitching Ninja. Yeah, hey, let's. We're, we've got we've got a couple of things now we're teaming up on. This is awesome. But I, I do like that idea. I think it, anything that adds to fan engagement um, and fans, you know, you, you see it. You'll see a pitch that's clearly out of the strikes and the whole stadium groans. And yet on TV, you can tell it wasn't in the strike zone. So I think I think that'd be fun. It, I mean, maybe add some other fan engagement stuff to that app too. But yeah, I'm with you. You know, a, a report came out in Bleacher Report that pitchers are throwing more strikes than ever before. I don't have that data, but you looking at it, are we seeing pitchers fill the strike zone more than ever? I think so. And I think we're also seeing... Um, taking advantage of, of, of pitches that look like strikes. So you're going to fill up the strike zone and then to get someone to chase. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's hard to say for me just watching it if I see that, but I definitely see, uh, you know, pitches, pitchers are more willing to live in the strike zone too sometimes with breaking stuff. Right. I mean, like, like it's hard to hit anything um, when you, when you, when you can mix up pitches like that. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I haven't noticed it like per se from just watching games, but that wouldn't surprise me. You know, the one thing that I notice is that there is zero two-strike approach anymore for him. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's zero. It, it is. And so we're just going to grip it and rip it every single at-bat. 
So, yes, are pitchers more nasty than ever before? I guess I'll agree to that, you know, because of velocity and movement. But also, hitters don't care about striking out, and it's kind of sad. We're looking at these batting averages for teams and the lack of balls put in play. You know what? I've been thinking about this for some time, and instead of calling it a K, we should call it an L. Like, you took an L. Sorry, you lost, hitter. And I was thinking about, like, instead of doing, like, maybe hitters would take a different approach. Like, you just lost this cage match. You didn't, like, K and it's a normal out. It's an L. I'm going to try to, I might do that today and just start that, like, a you know, throw that in there every once in a while. Um, but I don't, I, I, I agree with you, and I think it's like a statistic, it's an analytical approach saying, if I put it in play, I'm probably going to get out anyway. So let me go for broke and, and, and hope the pitcher makes a mistake and maybe I go yard. Um, but yeah, no doubt. Like they're not being penalized at all. Oh my God. So here's my scorebook from last night's game against the Red Sox. As I keep score for every game. I love that idea. <laughs> it's now a loss. Yeah. And now, Cause what happens is, and we've created this in all sports, right? Like all of a sudden we now have like a, a quarterback, you know, we, we now have your wins and losses. We've done it for starting pitchers forever. If we actually gave players losses and you and we all know the dreadful L, I think that's brilliant. You strike out, you're now getting a loss. Yeah, let's 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 do that. Like I think we should change the K to an L and see what the approach is then. See how hitters like that and maybe they'll change their approach. Either way, pitchers will feel great when they get when when the opposing uh, hitter gets an L instead of a K anyway. So I think it's Nolan just, Ryan with the most L's. L's. <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we got to get the ball back in play. I, yeah. I like, like, I like pitchers getting strikeouts. Don't get me wrong. But I also, uh, I mean, how would Tony Gwynn do in today's game? He'd probably do pretty darn well, I would think. Like, you shift on him. Yeah. Like, he'd kill you. Bob Melvin, Bob Melvin, who managed Ichiro. He said, he said, Ishiro in today's game would hit like 800. Yeah, right. I think, I think that's another hitter who the bat control, the ability to, to put the ball where you want to is, is kind of underrated. No doubt. Like it is underrated because you want, you know, you've guys that are just trying to hit the ball out. So give us your website where we can get these A's Pitching Ninja shirts. We want to promote it. The easiest way to get them is at pitching.ninja. It's on RotoWare's site, but it's pitching.ninja. We'll get you to it, and you can find them there. And the A's are winning right now. We have them paired up against the Giants, and the A's are winning. So uh, I think the A's should just bury the Giants right now. Oh, trust me. We're going to promote this. Like, I'm going to do this (laughs) in the show. I'm going to do this in the game. I'm going to do this in the postgame. If you're saying we take down the Giants, I am all in. Oh, heck yeah. We already have Bassett and Diekman uh, pimping it, too. They were out there with their uh, retweeting the shirts, too. They're excited. Isn't it amazing when you look at Jake, how he throws across his body, which that's something that people don't realize for a hitter. They're not used to that. When a guy throws across his body and the amount of spin he can get on that breaking ball and the velocity to where, I mean, super uncomfortable if you're a left-handed hitter, kind of Randy Johnson is. I mean, he's not, he's not as big as Randy, but then even for a right-hander, you don't see it. No, it's really, really tough because hitters are used to hitters are really good at, at hitting things that are kind of normal for them. They get used to a, an, yeah. an at bat. And when they get somebody like that, who's just an outlier, you get outlier pitches, you get outlier mechanics, you get outlier anything. 
and hitters don't know what to do. You don't face him that many times. Like, like absolutely, uh, he is nasty. Well, and Chris Bassett, I say all the time, is like, he's like a prey manis. He's all legs and arms. <laughs> and his arms, yes, exactly. He's all over the place. And he, I mean, his mechanics change per pitch. Yep. And so if that's changing for him as a hitter, how you seeing that, there's no consistency with him. Yeah, his glove side is way on the ground. His arm <laughs> slots change. His pit, like he varies his his velocity a ton, like you know, almost thirty miles an hour. He's uh like he's a tough at bat. He's a great dude too. Like he's he's just a he's a fun guy to root for. Hey, the bottom line is we're gonna we're gonna move some shirts. All right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you so much for coming on. We always appreciate it and. Uh, Everything that you're doing to educate us on pitching is phenomenal. Thank you. And thanks for having me. It's always fun. You take care. Thanks. Take care. He's a really good guy. And want to support him and, and, and what he has done to really teach us about tunneling. Of what it means that when a ball comes out of a pitcher's hand, when it first comes out of his hand, where does the ball go? What does it look like? How many axes does it does it affect? What's the speed? What's the spin? And it's been pretty amazing to watch that of uh, what he does, Cody, on Twitter, where it's just it, it's amazing. It's amazing to see when the ball comes out of, let's just say, Jacob deGrom's hand all the different pitches that he has and where they go. And you're thinking, wow, as a hitter, you got to try and hit this. And it's, you now realize how hard it is to hit in modern day baseball. The velocity has changed so much. So you picked the outlier guy, huh? You had to pick Jacob DeGrom. Pick the guy (laughs) you love. So you'd be engaged. Well, um, I do love the stuff that he puts out. The overlays and everything he does is incredible. And we saw, um, you know, a lot of great pitching stuff. And, you know, Peter Gammon says that, he, that he's never seen pitching like this ever before, and that's including 1968. We saw what Corbin Burns did yesterday with the 58 strikeouts before issuing his first walk to start the season. 52 strikeouts before ever walking no, a guy is 50, a new record. 58. No, no, it's 52. I thought, no, I, I, thought, I thought he went to 58, and then he finally walked someone. No, I had it in my report yesterday. He uh, he got to 52 when we played it in the third inning, and he got to 52. He broke uh, Canley Jansen's record. I thought it was 50. Well, I'm going to call Dick Bremer the voice of the Twins, but I thought it was 52. But well, You look it up. See who's right, because I played the clip yesterday uh, of the Brewers broad. Yeah, he broke the record of 52, but I think he extended it all the way to 58 before he finally walked someone. So the record now is 58, which is just still rec- – that's ridiculous. 58 strikeouts. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's all. Dick, how you doing? Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. How are you, sir? Uh, we're just talking about Corbin Burns, where it's like you strike out 58 guys in a season before you walk somebody. Isn't it amazing to see the amount of strikes being thrown by pitchers in modern-day baseball? Yeah, given the fact that pitchers will tell you the strike zone has shrunk a little bit, although we're seeing, um, you know, the uh, high strike being called a little bit more now. And, uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, 
uh, a pitcher's league right now. We see that across baseball with teams that are barely hitting 200. Yeah, I mean it's 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 unbelievable. You know, every single night when you're you know you're filling out your scorebook and you're looking at these guys' averages, and you just realize how much pitchers are dominating from a standpoint. Whether you want to talk about the substances that they may be using, but just the velocity that we've never have you ever seen this in your career, where basically every guy coming in is throwing, my God, 96, 97-plus, even into triple digits. We just got done playing the White Sox, and pretty much everybody in their rotation, with the exception of Dallas Keuchel, can throw 95 or above, and everybody in their bullpen, it seems, can do that as well. So it's really, I think, uh, caused hitting uh, to uh, suffer as a result of it, and it'll, it'll be interesting to me to see moving forward uh, how hitters will adapt to that. At some point, uh, striking out, you know, a third almost half the time. We've run into a couple of players this year that have literally, and we've got one, Miguel Sano, strikes out about half the time. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how hitting is coached in the minor leagues to deal with the uh, increase in velocity. You know, I got, I got to tell you, it's shocking looking at the standings and seeing the Twins at 12 and 23 as you guys along with the A's and other teams in the American League have had this run of great success just how shocking is it for everybody that that you guys are 10 games uh behind the White Sox and so far under 500 when you I know you've had a lot of injuries but also you got great talent yeah that's uh this was supposed to be one of the best teams uh, in baseball this year and right now they have the worst record uh, we all know, I think, that uh, there's no such thing as a perfect statistic, and maybe the most imperfect one is run differential. Uh, the Twins have a run differential of minus 15, and they are where they are because of that. The Oakland A's have a run differential of minus 13, and they are where they are, leading their division, and nobody's won more games than Oakland. Uh, so, you know, it, it's been a a combination of things here in Minnesota. Uh, the the turning point of the season thus far was the West Coast trip that the Twins went on to Anaheim and Oakland. They had a COVID outbreak, uh, had to shut things down for three days. Uh, the Oakland series was impacted. The first game was postponed to doubleheader the next day. But it's not just that you can't play games. You can't take batting practice. You can't get ankles taped. You can't do anything. And Rightly or wrongly, I, I think that that has really sent this team. Uh, they're six and fifteen since the COVID uh, outbreak. Uh, their bullpen issues that can't be explained by that, but their individual hitters, like Max Kepler, who just now is starting to feel comfortable at the plate and being a productive hitter, Jorge Polanco, another one. They were they were shut down for three days and couldn't do anything. And I think so early after spring training, that really had a crippling effect on the lineup. Oh, I remember last year when we had it with Daniel Mingdon and our team had to stay in Houston and talking to Bob Melvin and they're like stuck in a hotel and you can't go anywhere. You can't leave the hotel. They're dropping boxed lunches and dinners at your door. I mean, it's absolutely miserable. I mean, we were hoping that we would be beyond that this season, but all of a sudden what you were talking about, we remember that uh, with the Yankees are dealing with now. I mean, it, it, it's a miserable existence when 
We all know living the hotel life, but when you can't leave the hotel, that's brutal. And uh, I think everybody in baseball uh, is really concerned about the Yankee situation because we're, we're dealing with people who were vaccinated. In some cases, uh, Glaber Torres had COVID during the offseason, got vaccinated, and still had a positive test. So the, the notion that we're recovering, uh, while that might be the case, we're not out of the woods on this thing yet. And, and, you know, we'll be interested to see, well, I think baseball had 10 positive tests uh, this week, five players and five staff members, something like that. Uh, you just hope that, you know, A, that, that the people who do test positive don't, aren't uh, seriously ill because of that. But then, you know, what, it, what will it do to teams over the course of a 162-game season? You know, one of the things going into this series that 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 really is shocking is looking at the Twins bullpen being one and twelve, and we're just at May fourteenth. Just how shocked are you by that? Well, the bullpen has had some major issues. Uh, they reconstructed it. Uh, Trevor May signed a nice contract with the Mets, but last year Tyler Clippert had uh, a, a good year with the Twins. Sergio Romo was pretty good with the Twins. Matt Whistler is now with the Giants. Uh, he, he had a, uh, some good uh, games with the, the Twins as well. So they reconstructed it uh, and got Alex Colomay, who had two really good years with the White Sox. He's really struggled. Hansel Robles uh, has actually been pretty good. He had a disappointing year last year. But it's not just the bullpen. The Twins, uh, we were talking about run differential. It's, it's been a stark contrast. Uh, the Twins early in games have a very good run differential, but it's terrible in the late innings. Uh, they've scored three meaningless runs, not three meaningless runs. Two of the runs are meaningless, but only three runs uh, were, have been scored so far this year in the ninth inning. Well, then you get into extra innings, and the Twins are 0-7 in extra inning games. Uh, we're actually doing okay, not great, okay in nine-inning games. But we've had uh, two doubleheaders, seven inning games in those doubleheaders. The Twins are 0-4 in those and 0-7 in extra innings. You know, you just saw the Chicago White Sox and our old friend Tony La Russa at the beginning of the year. People are acting like the, the game's passed him by. You're like, come on, that's ridiculous. Uh, what did you see with this series and the Chicago White Sox? Because obviously we saw them in the playoffs last year. This is a group that's very interesting. Well, we've seen Boston, we've seen Oakland, we've seen some of the better teams in baseball, uh, and the White Sox, to me, based on what we saw right now, they're the best team in baseball. Now, I don't know if you guys know, but today, Jose Abreu was involved in a fierce collision with Hunter Dozier of the Royals, had to leave the ball game. Thankfully, it looks like both players are okay, but you know, you, you never know how a team is going to do when a key component in Abreu is certainly that for the White Sox. You never know how they're going to react if they lose a player for any extended period of time. One of the problems the Twins have right now, Byron Buxton looked like he was emerging as possibly the best player in the game, right up there with Mike Trout, and then he gets hurt. And so the Twins are trying to you know, get back to the 500 mark without their best player. You just don't know how teams are going to react when they lose a player. But the White Sox, they look really, really good. They've got great starting pitching. They've got a number of power arms out of the bullpen. The lineup is clicking without hitting home runs, I might add. They're last in the league right now in hitting home runs. 
which you wouldn't expect with the lineup that they have. They've lost some players too. Luis Robert is out. Eloy Jimenez is out. And maybe Abreu for a short time as well. But uh, they really look like the best team we've seen this year. Yeah, and Buxton getting hurt. I mean, just, you hate to see that because we want to see these great athletic-type players get better and try and bring more of these type guys into our game. I just, it's, it's sad that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Cause as you said, when he gets rolling, I mean, there's not really many people in our game who are more athletic than this guy. And he, he looks like he had finally figured out, you know, how to hit up here, not pull the ball as much. Uh, he was doing damage to the opposite field. They keep track of these things. He had just one barrel to the opposite field all last year. Well, now doubles, triples, home runs, they're going to right field as well as left field. And he's become much more of a gap-to-gap hitter and really was an exciting player because of not just what he was doing at the plate, but, of course, he's the preeminent center fielder, we think, in baseball uh, when he's out there uh, patrolling center field. So it's a terrible loss. Uh, But, you know, as I said, teams have to – you have to react to injuries. You're going to have them. And what I'm really interested in seeing is how uh, the carnage develops in terms of injuries uh, in the second half of this year after, you know, just a 60-game season last year. You know, uh, b- before you are coming on earlier today, my aunt and my cousin live in Minnesota. And, you know, I, I always love coming to Minnesota. Last time I was there with, with the Raiders – uh, against the uh, against the Vikings, and it's such a great sports town, and your facilities and the traditions, and obviously all your years with the Twins and and doing the Gophers and everything. Just uh, your legacy. My cousin's like you're having Dick on. Oh my God! I mean, just your legacy in Minnesota. What has that <laughs> been like for you in your career? Because you are Minnesota. Well, I grew up here. Um... I have vague memories of the first Twins game uh, ever played. I know that's dating me, but uh, I have vague memories of uh, the Twins in 1961 when they moved here from Washington, D.C. So I, I'm well aware that I've been extraordinarily blessed to be able to follow this team that I followed as a kid. Uh, they were a big, big part, the Twins were, of my childhood, and now they've become an even bigger part of my adulthood. Uh, it's it's And that's why... When the team is struggling like this, it, it really hurts because these guys have been my team. I'm blessed to be able to do this for a living anyway, but to do it for the team you followed from you know your earliest memories of childhood uh, has really been a blessing. Oh, my God. I mean, you think about Harmon Killebrew. You know, we have Burt Blylevin, the Hall of Famer, on all the time on our show. I know he was your partner for years. And you think about uh, Rod Carew, because I actually went – uh, two years ago, I went over to the Twins game against the Royals. I took the picture with Rod Carew's statue. I was with Brent Musburger, who I was working with with the Raiders. I took him to the game, and I think about you know Kirby Puckett and all current Kent Herbeck and all the great players and Jack Morris, and then Dave Winfield showed up. I mean, the legacy of Twins baseball is amazing. Especially when you consider this is just the 61st year of Twins baseball. You mentioned so many great players that the Twins have had. Uh, you know, it's 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 really been a fun franchise to cover. And all the names that you mentioned there, Harmon Killebrew was one of my first broadcast partners. Uh, I've gotten wow. to become really good friends with Rod Carew uh, and exchanging 
text the last couple of days with Jim Cott, who has also been one of my uh, broadcaster uh, uh, broadcast partners. So, um, you know, one of the uh, maybe it's helped keep me a little bit younger. I don't know, but uh, to be able to uh, relive your childhood uh, with the guys of like uh, uh, Carew and and Cott and uh, not tonight, but um, coming up on Sunday in the booth I'm sitting in right now. Tony Oliva is going to be uh, doing the Spanish radio broadcast. And I've got so many great memories of all those guys. Every time I see them, talk to them, or in Jim's case, text with them, I flash back to when I was a kid. Well, you're one of the great broadcasters in, in our game. And thank you so much for stopping by A's Cast Live. Have a good call. Enjoy the series. And let's talk later on in the season. All right. You got it, guys. I mean, look at those names. Harmon Killebrew was your partner. I mean, that's this guy's had a great career. I mean, he's not you, Cody, but I mean, he's had a great career. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, the Rod Carew Harmon Killebrew story that he told on our show was one of my favorite stories about the here lies. Uh, was it what was the the PR prank about? How was it? Harmon almost ran over Rod, or Rod almost ran over Harmon at home plate. Rod was trying to steal. Yeah, home. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when you're telling stories about Rod Carew and Harmon Kill Harmon Killebrew, former A's broadcaster, yeah, the Hall of Famer. Yeah, that that's always a uh, I always love hearing that, that he was a former A's broadcaster. All right, so we got to get to JD like now. Yeah, that's fine. Earlier today, and as I said earlier in the show, he's one of my favorite. Yeah, uh, he is my favorite. Let's be honest. Josh Donaldson, I miss him. He's a great guy. Here's my conversation with J.D. earlier today, and here it is for A's Cast Live. Well, now joining us uh, on A's Cast Live, he is one of my all-time favorites covering him. He was a great Oakland athletic, and we will always root for him. And uh, A's are taking on the Twins. Josh Donaldson's with us. J.D., how are you? Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, you're doing great. Living the dream, as always. You know, you were a great athletic, and one of the things that I always loved about you is that you loved being an A. You loved the battle. Yeah. You loved the fight. I mean, you, when you look back at your time with the A's, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I, I, I guess the, the only regret, I wish we could have figured out me playing third base a little bit sooner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, I thought, you know, by time there with the group of guys that we all kind of had that came up at the same time, uh, and then adding the likes of a Johnny Gomes, Brandon Ninge, and a lot of guys, you know, that were some veteran guys that came in. And, you know, I think I think what was so great about our teams is everybody – every year was all the, hey, the A's are going to finish last. And, 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 you know, we won the division at 12 and 13, and then in 14, wild card game probably – you know, still to this day, I get from Kansas City Royals fans, uh, you know, about that game. So uh, that was a tough way to go out as far as, you know, our time there. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I said, I'll always be grateful, you know, for Billy for continuing to give me opportunities and the team that we had. You know, we, we, we gelled really well together. We, we played well together. You know, I'll never forget when you came back with the Blue Jays and you spent more time in the A's clubhouse than the Toronto clubhouse. And sure. Bob Melvin has shared with me that after that first game, you wrote him a long text 
about what Bob yeah. did to him and what just talk about that relationship you have with Bob because I know it's very special and it was very emotional. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bob, like I said, I, ha- I have the utmost, uh, for, for Bo Mel, excuse me, uh, for, I have the utmost respect for him. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't know this. I, don't, I remember there was one time specifically, and uh, it was in 2013. I started off well for the season, and, um, you know, I was hitting in the 7-8 hole for the A's at the time, swinging A's. and. I went to, to Bowmel and I'm like, hey, Bowmel, I'm like, why am I hitting so low in your lineup? And he goes, uh, JD, you know, we like you down there. We feel like we can score every inning. But, you know, being, you know, a rookie, uh, you know, I, I, you know, took that, you know, he didn't bite my head off. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, I can talk to him a little bit. And then about two more weeks went on. I kept hitting. And I said, and I, at the time I was hitting five or six now in the lineup. And I went up to him and I said, hey, Bowmel. Like, why am I hitting so low in your lineup? And he goes, JD, you know, he, he started giving me the same answer. He's like, and then he looked at me and he knew, like, I was being serious this time. And he goes, JD, where do you want to hit? I said, I want to hit three. And he looks at me and he goes, all right. And the next day I hit three. And from that point on, you know, he put me in that middle of the lineup. And, you know, to me as a player, to be able to talk to the manager and, you know, kind of, you know, voice, you know, he, and show him that I was confident in myself and I felt like I was onto something, you know, I, I felt like him being able to listen to me and not only just listen to me, but Hey, if you want to put your money where your mouth is, let's go. And he gave me the opportunity. And from that day forward, you know, me and Bo Mel were, you know, tight as can be. You know, I'll never forget doing my talk show. And I, I, <laughs> I, I think you were hitting like, point zero eight seven or something like that and you're you're sent back to uh sacramento and all of a sudden my producer goes hey josh donaldson's on the line i'm like really and you called to talk about college football because we both love college football i'll you're going up i-80 and you're calling my talk show yeah yeah i I was actually just telling our uh, pr guy about that story uh, today and you know at the time you know i I did it more for, you know, I wanted to talk about college football, but I, I wanted, you know, people to know, like, I still believed in myself and that, and I wanted to kind of show or, you know, kind of voice my, uh, how I felt. Uh, I wasn't going to stop until I got, you know, this ship righted and I was going to keep putting the work in and I still believed in myself. And at the end of the day, you know, being sit down, being able to have the ability to keep trying to figure it out uh ultimately is i think that's why it got me to where i'm at today well when you think of 2012 what was it that when you came back everything changed your your entire career changed at that point i mean you became dominant you became one of the best third basemen in baseball what what changed for you at that time well you know i mean uh growing up you know, especially being from the South, it's about being coachable. You want to say yes, sir, no, sir, kind of, you know, let people kind of tell you what, you know, follow the instructions and and this and that. Uh, but finally, about that time after I got sent down uh, 18 games into the season that year, 
I, you know, I looked myself in the mirror. I had an aha. It was, after I had that conversation with you, I, I had to call, call my mom. And, you know, your, your mom, she wants to take your back. She wants to kind of put blame everywhere. And I kind of had this aha moment on the way uh, back to Sacramento. And I said, Mom, I said, you know what? Nobody else got into the batter's box for me. Nobody else was in third base. I got the chance to wear the jersey. I got, they gave me the chance to play. I didn't perform. Now it's up to me to figure this out. It's only going to, if I figure it out, it's going to be on me. If I don't figure it out, it's on me. And so what that, what that did for me was like, all right, I have to take ownership of who I am and who I want to become as a player. And that's what, again, you've heard a lot of the stuff that I've talked about with my swing and the mechanics and, uh, you know, and thankfully I had people around me in the AIDS organization that when I had questions, you know, they, they were there to give me answers. And if they didn't have the answer, they'd be like, Hey, well, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we're, we're going to try to figure that out as well. And I remember Mike Gallego, Mike Gallego really took me kind of under his wing as uh, Johnny Gomes as well. And Mike Gallego was, you know, he told me if we ever disputed anything, uh, thought differently about something, he'd tell me, he'd say, Josh or JD, he'd go, this is your career, man. If I had my chance to play. This is your career. If you feel like there's something better, you do it. And then, you know, at the end of the day, we'll learn from, from a, either way. And, you know, that, that meant a lot to me because it, it started giving me the freedom as a player to go out there and kind of be myself. You know, I, I know you got to get out to batting practice, but you know, I always believed in you. I always did. I yeah. remember the conversation we had in yep. Japan in 2012. Yep. I always believed in you. And probably one of, uh, one of my favorite moments when you won the MVP in Toronto, you know how much we wanted you here, but we were rooting for you because of what you meant to all of us. You, you, you're a great, there's no question. Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot. And like I said, at the end of the day, uh, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the organization, for the fans that kept believing in me and kept giving me those opportunities, you know, to ultimately to be where I'm at today. You know, if it wasn't for, you know, everything in life kind of happens for a reason. If I truly believe that and the things that transpired, uh, you know, makes you who you are. And that had a big part of uh, who I am today. Hey, well, thank you so much, buddy. We always appreciate it. I'll be in touch. You be well and you be safe. All right, Tony. Thank you. Thank you for everybody. That was really cool. I got to be honest with you. You know, all my years being around this and all the players, you know, there, there's been players that leave here. And then when you have them on, they're like, Tony, how are you? And they weren't like that when they were here because obviously they're guarded. And, you know, for many years, I was just uh, I, I was viewed as a media guy to them. Uh, my relationship with Josh Donaldson was completely different. It was a it, it was a it's the closest I've ever been to a player. And once he left, I realized in my life, you can't get close to guys because they're not going to be here. But I remember when people. You know, they talked about their relationship with certain Raiders or certain Warriors or certain guys. Um, yeah, and I know Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or, you know, my love, my love relationship with Barry Bonds back in the day. Oh, God. Um, 
But Josh was different. Josh was somebody that I, I, I got to know. And it hurt when he left. It really did. And another guy, as he mentioned, like you, you see how that era of A's baseball, Cody, who'd he mention? Johnny Gomes. Who am I friends with? Johnny Gomes. Like that group of A's baseball was a time where you had these guys that, you know, when I see Johnny, you know, or JD, you hug them and you, you, you love these guys because they not only were they great A's, they were great guys, but they were also guys that loved playing for the A's. And I think that's why we've had this relationship with some of these guys from that era of A's baseball, because it was really, really special. It was special at that time in 2012 and 13 and 14. I mean, it was as much as the early 2000s, those great teams. When you talk about Giambi and Tejada and all those guys in the big three. But then you had that run with these guys. And uh, I think they're very special to the A's fan base. And I know they're special to me. Uh, very well said. And on the way out, I, I just have one question to ask you. Who's closer, you or Donaldson or me and Tony Larusa? I would say me and JD. Oh, I don't know. I mean, me. I, I made JD some money. Uh, well, I got Tony into the hall. I got Tony a job with the White Sox. So you 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 almost just said you got Tony into the hall. <laughs> no, uh, uh, I I can't wait to have Tony on the show again when when the A's and White Sox match up. We get to talk to Liam oh, too. Well, I do. Do I want to have a guy on that is that, falling behind, that ruining pitchers' careers? Doesn't know baseball anymore. <laughs> can't communicate with the players. That that be, 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 it, that might be one of the good points I've made in a long time, where we're sticking up for our friend, the Hall of Famer Tony Larusa, friend of the program. When I said you're telling me a guy that managed pain in the asses, okay, let's just be honest. If you think Ricky Henderson was easy to manage, you're wrong. If you think Jose Canseco, you talk about the egos that are Dave Henderson, Dennis Eckersley. You talk about major egos that he has managed. I mean, come on. And you don't think he can handle these guys? Who are not, I mean, Tim, other than Tim Anderson, who's a big ego on the White Sox. And I would say Tim Anderson is like so far below Ricky Henderson and Jose Canseco. Oh, totally. And uh, quickly, I listened to Lance Lynn with Buster Olney earlier. Lance Lynn's a good interview, and he tells you how it is. And he hates launch angle and all this stuff. He, they, Buster asked him these questions, and he was very candid about it. And uh, I like the interview with Lance Lynn. So I'm looking forward to talking to Maybe that's a Tony Chris Townsend Ray Fossey interview we do there. Uh, uh, you know what Lance Lynn does? He pounds the strike zone. All he throws is a fastball the entire time, and he gets people out. He's the modern-day Bartolo Colon. <laughs> that's, wow, that's a really good comp. That's really All good. All right. Uh, that will do it. Uh, are we on a 410? Yeah, so you got about about eight, seven and a half minutes. Oh, Rob, Robert's panicking right now. There's no <laughs> doubt. He's panicking. Um, great job. This is a good show today. JD, I mean, are you kidding me? Well, I did that for you, so. It was good to talk to him. I, I haven't talked to him in a while. It's been, I mean, no one we no one talked last year. Isn't that crazy? Like, all these people we know just last year just went by the wayside, and no one talked. So, it's been over a year since I talked to him. That, 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 was, uh, that was great stuff. All righty. We'll be back in about seven minutes. 
Cody, you have a wonderful weekend. We have Bob Melvin tomorrow. Yes, so we'll have the Bo Mel show over the weekend. Yes, and so. then we'll be back uh, on Tuesday for A's Cast Live. Yes, yeah, so I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Who, who do we have coming up? Um, well, we only have a – I don't know. I think we're going to play promos or something in between because we only have a couple minutes. So. All right. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.